so I hated life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it meaningless, a chasing after the wind. I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. And who knows whether that person will be wise or foolish. Yet they will have control over all the fruit of my labor into which I have poured my effort and skill under the sun. This too is meaningless. So my heart began to despair over my toilsome labor under the sun. For a person may labor with wisdom and knowledge and skill, and then they must leave all they own to another who has not toiled for it. This too is meaningless and a great misfortune. What do people get for all the toil and anxious striving with which they labor under the sun? All their days, their work is grief and pain. Even at night, their minds do not rest. This too is meaningless. A person could do nothing better than to eat, drink, and find satisfaction in their own toil. This too, I see, is from the hand of God, for without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? To the person who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Oh God, as we consider these challenging words of Solomon, we pray as always for insight and understanding into who you are, into who we are, and into the relationship you're calling us into with you, with ourselves, and with each other. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we're in the midst of a series on Ecclesiastes. Michelle got us started last week. It's a bit of a bummer. I don't know. I mean, we were rocking out there, and then, uh, and then Solomon went pretty hardcore on, uh, on meaninglessness, right? So uh, if you've read it, that's the, that's the whole book, by the way. I mean, it's got that tone, so only four more weeks of this. <laughs> a meaningless, meaningless. Uh, all is meaningless, according to uh, Solomon. So, it's a, it's, so we got to figure out what, uh, what's going on here. Well, we're going to work our way through the entire book. Each has its own thing. Solomon is kind of wrestling with these different things that he's, he's, he's kind of having existential angst about. And today we're looking at the subject of work, our labor for him, for uh, toil, or the work under the sun as he describes it. And, uh, you know, in some ways what uh, Solomon is saying here sounds kind of like what's happening around the world. You know, there is a lot of strife when it comes to uh, work and labor and the workforce in uh, this country, but not only in this country, around the world. And so in some ways, Solomon is almost uh, speaking to directly to our age. It's said that capitalism is at a, a crossroads where there's a worker shortage, and yet, uh, and yet it seems like there's enough workers, there's wage inequality, and... Uh, People are dissatisfied with their, with their jobs, and so a lot going on. Consider these words in, uh, from a December 2021 article in the New Yorker magazine on labor strife. Uh, the author says this, during the second year of the COVID-19 pandemic, the social side effects of the virus started to become more apparent. 
Amid continued mass demonstrations against lockdown measures and worldwide civil unrest, the U.S. population broke into hives of labor activism. Workers at corporate behemoths like Amazon and Starbucks attempted to form unions with mixed results, and workers who were already unionized went on strike in order to demand better wages and working conditions. Employees walked out at John Deere plants in Illinois, Kellogg's cereal plants in Michigan, Kaiser Permanente, you know what I'm telling you, healthcare clinics in California, and Nabisco and Frito-Lay, God forbid Frito-Lay people go on strike, what would we do? Nabisco and Frito-Lay snack factories in Oregon and Kansas. The energy even found its way to this very publication where this summer newly unionized employees reached a deal after two and a half years of negotiations. He's talking about the New Yorker magazine. It continues on. What was happening? Stephanie Luce, a labor scholar at uh, the City University of New York, explained that COVID-19 appears to have lit a match beneath at least a decade's worth of late-stage capitalist tinder. Wages have been mostly stagnant since the economic crash in 2008. Lou said, adding, uh, people have been seeing the quality of their jobs deteriorate. They ca then came the virus, and all of a sudden, a dismal situation became life-threatening. Healthcare and manufacturing workers found themselves ordered to, to work double shifts in dangerous conditions. Earlier this month, six people died at an Amazon warehouse in Illinois and another eight workers were killed at a candle factory in Kentucky after the, the facilities were hit by a tornado. In both cases, the employees alleged they were not allowed to leave work before the storms hit. Meanwhile, corporate profits have continued to roll in. And so Luce explained the mindset of many of the employees this year talking about 2021. They're thinking this company is making millions, maybe billions during the pandemic but management's not coming in and they're not helping us save our homes and here we are risking our lives. And so this is the state of, of labor. And so, it, I mean, Solomon's words in Ecclesiastes 2 sound like words of our age, of labor in our, our age. I don't know what your experience is, uh, but it's not unlikely as we have gone through this pandemic that you too have experienced some, some labor angst. You know, what are, you, what are we doing? What's going on? Where, what is, my, is my job still going to be around? Do I still want to be in my job? And of course, the U.S. is not alone in this. There was a Gallup poll back in 2016 uh, that found that of the 1 billion uh, full-time workers worldwide, only 15% were happy in their current jobs. 85% were dissatisfied, and for all intents and purposes, were in this mode of what we're now identifying as quiet quitting. You know, just doing the minimum to, to, to get by, but not doing any more because we're dissatisfied. 85% of full-time workers globally. And so this issue of labor strife and feeling like all is meaningless, certainly it's not new. Solomon himself, who uh, had done many great things, had accomplished many great tasks, is now wrestling with this existential angst as to his own work. And was it indeed uh, meaningless? Uh, actually, he, he refers back to Genesis chapter 3 in the passage. It's, he keeps talking about toiling under the sun. This is his way of des describing work, toiling under the sun. That's a callback to Genesis chapter 3. If you've read Genesis, you may remember in Genesis 1 and 2, you have these two creation accounts, two uh, uh, different ways of describing how creation took place in a repetitive fashion as the uh, ancient 
uh, uh, Near Eastern literature used to use repetition to, to, to emphasize things. And so you have these beautiful accounts of God creating the world, and then he puts the first humans in this garden, and they are instructed to, to rule over the garden, to take care of the garden, and to, to tend the garden. I love this idea. I, uh, I love a, a good uh, garden. If, uh, if Alex was doing three questions and he said to me and he asked me a question, he's never asked me to do the three questions. It's, you know, I don't know why, but anyway. Um, if he were to ask me at some point and said something interesting about you that you might not know, I would tell you that I love, uh, I love a good garden. When, uh, when I was a kid, my, my little one, my mom would take me, we lived in the outskirts of Philadelphia, and my mom would take me to Longwood Gardens in a suburban Philadelphia, and it's one of my favorite places on earth. In fact, when we moved back to the Northeast, that was one of the first things that we did is we got a membership at Longwood Gardens that we've kept for now 14 years. So we go down to Longwood. Are, anyone familiar with Longwood Gardens? Yeah, I mean, we love going down there a couple times a year. The holiday season is, is fun down there. Today's message is sponsored by Longwood Gardens. <laughs> Memberships are available, still available. Anyway, I love a good a garden, and so this idea of tending to the garden and that the first humans were put in the garden and said, rule over it, take care of the animals, take care of the plants, that's going to be your job. When I go to Longwood, sometimes I think to myself, well, I could get lost in here and, you know, grab a shovel and have a good time. Anyway, this was, people were created to work. They were put in a beautiful garden and designed to, to work in it. Labor was supposed to be uh, rewarding and enjoyable and, and, and something that brought humans together. But then we find the story in Genesis chapter 3 that Solomon is referencing when he talks about toiling under the sun. Again, it's a callback to Genesis chapter 3 where it says this. You, you, you may remember the story. The first humans, they decide... They're done with God. They're going to go on their own way. They're going, to, they're going to be their own gods, if you will. And so they make a choice against God, and there are consequences to that choice. And so we hear these consequences in Genesis 3, verse 17. To Adam, God said, cursed is the ground because of you. This is the ground that God had, had, had created. In fact, Adam, Adama, literally the word for, 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 for man was clay of the ground. So Adam was from the ground, but now the ground from which Adam came is cursed. Cursed is the ground because of you through painful toil. You will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return." And so Solomon, when he's having this angst about whether his work was worthwhile, he is thinking back to Genesis chapter 3 and the fact that the brokenness of the world has created this labor problem that we experience. Our relationship with work was designed to be good and healthy and to bring us together as humans. And yet because of the curse, because we decided to go on our own way, we now have a break, broken relationship with the work that we do, with the labor that we do. And it's hard and it's difficult and the sweat of our brow and the, and the work that we do is often painful. And so uh, Solomon is alluding to this. And so Solomon's insight on all of this is actually pretty simple. He says, this is verse 26 of Ecclesiastes 2, he says, to the person who pleases God, 
God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. Okay, Solomon, you, you, you've complained about the, the state of labor and whether it's valuable or not and whether your work of your life has been worthwhile or not. What, what's your solution? So Solomon's solution is this. Well, to the person who pleases God, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God. It's pretty negative. It's pretty cynical. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. And so Solomon's solution is just please God. If you please God, I guess it's all going to work out for you. It sounds pretty cynical, quite frankly, but Solomon's solution to labor unrest and feeling unfulfilled by your job is just please God. Well, I don't know about you, but that's a little bit unsatisfying. Some of us have been living our lives trying to please God for a very long time. Some of us even are struggling to believe in God because we've been trying to please God and we feel like we can never actually get it done. And so that creates unrest in us. So I'm not sure how great the advice is that Solomon is giving to just please God. But we're going to get back to that uh, issue in just a moment. First, we want to wrestle with this question of back to, to labor. What is the cause of unrest for us when it comes to our relationship with labor. I talk about us, talking about the human family, not just you. Maybe you're having a great time in your labor experience, your job experience, and that's fantastic. But I know many of you, I mean, 85% of those who are working globally are dissatisfied in some way with what's going on in their labor situation, their work situation. So what are the causes of the unrest with our work? Now, I am not a labor specialist uh, but we can gain some insights both from the text and what we know from experience in our relationship with human beings. And so response number one is this, the sense that it doesn't have a point. I mean, this is what, uh, what Solomon is getting at, right? There's no, there's no point. He says in verse 21, for a person may labor with wisdom, knowledge, and skill. In other words, not, they're not just working, but they have trained for this work. And maybe, maybe you spent a lot of money and you're still paying off school loans as I am. I finished graduate school a long time ago. I'm still paying the bill for graduate school. You know what I'm talking about? Now, supposedly, we're, that this is going to get wiped away. Have you heard this? I, well, I'm still a little bit skeptical because I, my bill keeps coming to me. But anyway, let's hope that, that that's good news. But I mean, Solomon is saying, look, a person may labor with wisdom, knowledge, and skill. They're prepared, they have wisdom, or they've been in their job a long time and they know what they're doing. And so a person may labor with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, and then they must leave all they own to another who has not toiled for it. You see what he's getting at. You work incredibly hard, and you, you know, maybe you gain some position in your field, or maybe you have some finances in your bank account your investment portfolio but at some point you're gonna it's gonna be over for you and you're gonna leave that to someone else or somebody's gonna replace you in in work and all that you've worked for is gonna be taken over by someone else and so he's wrestling with this question that you may have what what is the meaning of this what happens to all the hard work that I'm shedding blood sweat and tears into my job now when I leave or move on or I'm asked to leave God forbid what happens then Solomon's like, it's, it's meaningless. It's meaningless. It reminds us of you know, that famous story of the, of the ancient Greek Sisyphus who, who every day is, is cursed with having to roll a boulder up the hill. You remember the story, right? And then rolls the boulder up the hill. 
next day comes boulders at the bottom of the hill and just keep doing the same things over and over and over again. And it seems like it's meaningless. And then even the stuff that you accomplish is going to be passed on to someone else. Our work sometimes feels like it's, it's not doing anything. And even the things that we do do, we do accomplish, are going to be passed on to someone else. So this creates a disconnect with our, with our work, with our labor. Secondly, we have unrest when it comes to our labor because we are overwhelmed and never feel finished. I don't know about you, but you, do you have this? I mean, sometimes I, 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 I uh, well, I love things like vacuuming. I love to vacuum. We're really getting down. We need to, you know, we really need to do three questions. I've got things, I've got things to say, Alex. It is a fun fact. I love to vacuum. You know why I love to vacuum? Because once you can vacuum like a rug and then you're done and you leave it and it's, it's finished and you complete. Now somebody's gonna mess it up again, but I'm okay with that but because it, there's a completion point. But for some of us, we're in, in positions where it feels like nothing ever really gets complete and it just keeps going on and on and on and on. And then you start feeling overwhelmed and you stay up late at night because you wish that it could get complete and what can I do to make it better? And uh, this is disconcerting. Solomon talks about this too. He says, what do people get for all their toil but anxious striving which with they labor with under the sun? All their days they work with grief and pain. Again, a reference to Genesis chapter 3. Even at night, their minds do not rest. I imagine some of you can, uh, can resonate with this. You want to go to sleep. You want to have some family time, and you want to sit with the family and chill out, but you're thinking about what needs to be done uh, the next day or the next week or the next one month, and it feels overwhelming, and it feels like you're never going to be, be complete. And so we are overwhelmed, and this creates a disconnect with a healthy work life. We stay awake, uh, worried about what, what hasn't gotten done, and this is overwhelming. Uh, finally, we have unrest when it comes to our work relationship uh, because some of us are working just to survive. I think this is particularly true in you know, places like New York City where it's expensive to live, right? It's expensive to live here. And I know that for those on Zoom, you, you all, everybody's got their issue. You're trying to make it, and uh, it, it's hard. And so we feel like we're just working to, to survive. So we go and we put all this time and we invest our energy, and uh, we're, we're, we're barely holding on. And uh, that is disconcerting. All our days work, go into things, and yet, according to Solomon, there's grief and pain and there's no rest, and especially when the finances don't match up with what you are hoping and desiring, that can become incredibly disconcerting. And of course, we know, we've seen the statistics as the New Yorker article said, income inequality is way out of balance, and so some of us may be working very hard, and then we're not getting paid in, in, in accordance with the work that we're doing. I mean, by the way, is anyone worth like 300 times value more than another person? And you know, this is like we have the largest income inequality that, that we've had in a very long time here in the, in the Western world, where, where those are at the top, the 1% of, of workers are, the, 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 the chasm is vast. And so if you're not in that 1%, you're, you're down at the, the other side and you're feeling like you can just barely make it. And so this affects our our relationship 
with labor, something that God created. God created us to be able to work. God gave us great work that we were designed to enjoy and that was to bring us together as a community. And yet for many of us, we're not experiencing that enjoyment. And it's not bringing us together, but it's separating us for reasons like inequality and other, and other elements. And so what do we do? I mean, Solomon's solution sounds great, but it feels a little hollow now. Well, just please God. <laughs> then everything's going to be okay. That's kind of where he lands on things. Just please God and all your uh, angst, all your labor angst is going to be uh, rec rectified. And yet again, that's hollow against many of us have been trying to please God for our whole lives. And it just never feels like that's accomplished either. And then that ends up being work. Our relationship with God ends up being work. And we just feel like we're spiraling. And so what hope do we have? That's the real question. What, 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 how do we get out of this, 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 this spiraling situation and into a, a world where we can experience joy and we can work, but we can have new life and a new relationship to our labors? Well, this issue of pleasing God seems to be at the core, according to Solomon. It uh, reminds us of a great text from the Apostle Paul who said this, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to God must believe in the Lord Jesus and that he exists and that he rewards those who are looking for him, who want to be in relationship with him. And so according to, to Paul, the solution to pleasing God, which is according to this, this Solomon, the solution to having a right relationship with work is believing in the one in who God sent. Now this makes sense because uh, when you look at the life of Jesus, we see one who did please God. What, where we struggle and feel like we're never really pleasing God in the way that we should, we know that Jesus pleased God. In Mark chapter 1, we're told that Jesus was baptized. We had a baptism here last week of, of, uh, of Leah. Jesus was baptized just like Leah. And in Mark chapter 1, when Jesus was baptized, this happened. It says, at the time when Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, he, to be baptized by John in the Jordan, uh, this happened. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven saying, you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. All right, so you have this image of God the Father and Jesus being baptized and, and God in a very particular way comes and says, I am pleased in, in you as my son. The great promise that Paul articulates is as we express faith in Jesus, we receive the, the same pleased experience that Jesus had. Jesus' work and Jesus' identity becomes our identity. And when we have that identity, then we can be transformed and changed ourselves. We're told in Philippians 2 this, Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something that he had to hold on to and used his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in a human likeness. He was found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, the Father exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. And so the story is, Jesus came. He did the pleasing that we find so difficult to do of God 
Because he's done that, as we express faith in him, according to Paul, as we believe in him, God is pleased with us, and we can live in a relationship with God that is not reliant on whether we get our act together and figure it out and work ourselves into relationship with him. No, there's not, the work is not the, the issue. As we confess faith in Jesus, God is able to start working in our experience. We are pleasing him by expressing faith in Jesus and believing in his work. And as we do that, he is able to transform our relationship with our own work. We have, a, we have a broken relationship with our work. Some of us are finding our identity in our work. Some of us idolize our work. Some of us, some of us are holding on to our work. Jesus didn't he let, let it all go. He pleased God as we confess faith in him. Then we can be transformed and have a new relationship with our own labor. And God can give us the wisdom and uh, and the glory and all that we need to have a new perspective when we go into the workplace on Monday. That we can look at, at work as he intended it to be work, looked at. Even if it's a job that you're not incredibly excited about, he can give you a, a passion and love to do the best that you can do in the circumstance that you are in uh, right now. And to help you not be miserable even if the situation isn't exactly what you want. Jesus himself said it like this, talking again about labor and his invitation to come to him, to let him do the hard work, and as he does the hard work, he transforms and changes our attitude about our labor and the work that we go to on Monday morning. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. This is a message for those who labor. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. This is agricultural language, but he's talking to the, the, the worker. Take my yoke, my work upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The invitation of Jesus is to believe in him. Let his work impact our work. And as that happens, we'll have a transformed uh, image of ourselves and our relationship to, to that which we are currently called to do whatever that may be as as glorious as your job may be now or as mundane as your job now God can give us a new perspective about that and we can we can be, be, have the cynicism of our work abolished God can do this in us so that we can have a new relationship so today if you're here and you're thinking yes I'm in that 85% who has quiet quit or not feeling like uh, your work is very rewarding. As you confess faith in God, God is able to transform your attitude about your work where you are right now. Again, even if it's not the, your desired place to be. And so he can transform your attitude about that, transform the way you work. And in that, you can have a new experience that does actually help to edify yourself and bring us together as a human family. You know, the beauty of, of work is that there are so many things that need to be done in this world, and as we do them well and with, with joy and in and, and, and good ways, it brings us together. But we need an attitude change that only God can do and to help rectify things. Look, there's going to be brokenness in the world. I wish I could tell you that suddenly, you know, Monday, your salary, everybody gets a raise. And your salaries are all, all going to go up because you confess faith in Jesus. That's not what this is saying. 
what this is saying is as you confess faith, you're going to have a different attitude about things. And so as you go back to work on Monday and from beyond, as you confess faith in God, may he do in you what only he can do to transform your attitude and give you a new perspective and have a new relationship with yourself and your identity, with those that you work with, and in this community of faith, in this community that we live in, in this city, and whatever community that you are in, may you have a new relationship with your work, with yourself, and with God today. Amen.